course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And for the 13th time in 16 games, Nick, we have a, uh, a victory edition of the podcast. And as we record, the Chiefs would be the number one seed in the playoffs. Of course, that's because uh, it's Sunday night after the game. The Bills haven't played. So technically, the Chiefs have a half game lead uh, in the division. Look, it wasn't sexy, man. Um, and none of the games in the last month for the Chiefs, really the last couple months, have been. Um, this is just not a team that goes out and blows teams out. Um, and I think that fans just have to accept that that's who and what this team is this year. Uh, the bottom line, though, is they find a way to get the job done. And, and I think that they deserve some respect for that. <clears throat> does it make it feel like they're living on on a knife's edge? And does it make you nervous about what they can do in the playoffs? Yes, uh, I understand that. I also think the Chiefs are one of a small handful of teams that are capable of winning the Super Bowl. Are they uh, the favorites? No, certainly not an overwhelming favorite. But I think that that's every bit as true as it was yesterday. So, Nick, am I a crazy person or are you out there on the ledge with the rest of the Chiefs kingdom, um, you know, and, and fearing that the sky is falling on this team as we enter the final week of the regular season? First of all, you're not going to find me near a ledge because I, I don't like heights. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's why. Just... No, that's why. That's, that's, I, I can't complain. So I just want you to know that like we can eliminate being on a ledge every single time imaginable. He's like, well, Nick, Nick didn't like heights. So he's clearly not doing that. Um, <clears throat> no, but I mean, in all seriousness, like, I mean, look, I, I think personally, I, I've, I've been under the, the belief and I could be wrong come playoff time. I just been under the belief. There's certain things that she's been wanting to work on and try to improve and get better at versus what they're looking at. For example, the Broncos run some of the coverages similar to what the Bengals do. And there may have been stuff that I think she's wanting to try formation wise and see how Pat reads it, how the receivers read it, how they look at it and kind of work some reps like they would be in training camp to get the, to get some looks and to evaluate some stuff in case they play the Bengals down the road and get some of that practice against that. Um, <clears throat> I think there's also some of what the Broncos do run defense wise I think that's similar to what the the Chiefs may see at various points against maybe the the Bills in the playoffs or well maybe even the Chargers depending we'll see. Chargers are improving week by week right now, um, but at the end of the day, I, I think there's I've always felt the Chiefs were wanting to work on their run game up until this week, and they were wanting to get better and improve at that with the sets they were doing with the two three tight end sets. And I just felt like the Chiefs wanted to be proficient in a lot of different things. So when they needed to turn, they'd been through those experiences when it needed to get to that moment in the playoff time and they needed to do it. I still think they're a work in progress on short yarded situations, both offense and defensively. But I, I just felt like the Chiefs, I, this is just me personally, I'm sure they'll deny it. Um, but I think the Chiefs knew they were going to win these games and that they had the talent to win these games there's just things that were more important for them to work on to try to make themselves as playoff ready as possible when those moments arose. Yeah. I look, I can see that. I also, you know, Andy Reed basically was like, well, you know, the, the Broncos came out and they were actually playing much more of a run defense and daring us to pass. So we decided to, to do it. I, I think, I still think you see the chiefs trying to force things 
um, you know, in, in a predictable way sometimes, right? Like Canarius, Tony fumbles, they go right back to him the first play uh, when they get the ball back, different things like that. Um, they're still trying to get on the same page with Marquez Valdez Scantling, um, you know, in big situations, Pat is going to force the ball to, to Travis Kelsey, um, even when it's not there necessarily. I, my, my big concern is the whole adage of you practice how you, or you play, how you practice. Right. Um, my, my, I guess my concern would be that they're going to develop some habits that will be hard to break, um, you know, come the playoffs. But that said, this whole month after the Bengals game or the last month after the Bengals game, in my mind, it was about staying healthy and positioning yourself uh, for the playoffs. You know, if you could keep winning and keep yourself in a position to maybe get that number one seat, if the bills stumble great, but more important was to, to like you said, to be ready to, to play your best football when it mattered, you know, in mid January and beyond um, to that end, I, I do worry about, um, the Joe Tooney re-injuring his right ankle. Um, you know, I think that could, uh, be an issue. Um, personally, I wouldn't expect, I go ahead and sit him for the Raiders game. Um, you know, I think you can get through that game, uh, without him. Don't need to worry too much. I, I you know, I'd much rather have him rest up an extra week, maybe two, if you can get that by, um, and not have to worry about it. Sky Moore's got a hand laceration. I think he'll be back. Legereus Sneed with the hip, similar situation. If he's not a hundred percent. I don't know that you need to make him go week 18 if you're better off sitting him. But I think the Chiefs have gotten to this point fairly healthy uh, other than than those Nick bumps and bruises they got uh, this weekend. So I feel good from that standpoint. I certainly don't feel like the sky is falling. I, I still think the margin for error is not what it has been in, say, 19 and 20. Uh, but this team, I think, is still capable of making a run uh, once the playoffs start. I really do. I mean, for me, it's a we'll see thing. And, and part of that is because I just don't see an offense that when they – right now what I don't see in the Chiefs' offense is if if a team takes away Kelsey and Juju can't find some of the voids, I don't feel like this team consistently will lean on Pacheco or lean on McKinnon whether it's in the run or creatively in the past game to try to help open some things up. And right now there's, I just don't think there's a team that fears them deep threat wise, because, you know, Kadir's Tony doesn't have a lot of deep passes, but uh, scaling still doesn't really seem to track the ball well. And so teams aren't fearful of him beating up deep because they know he's probably not going to track the ball well. And <clears throat> the, and the other part of it is he's not going to aggressively attack the football so the corners and safeties know they're going to have a play on it for the most part. And then, you know, McCole Hardman's had the setback and he hasn't really been around to kind of be that deep threat for them this year whenever they honestly need him the most that they've ever needed him to be out there, especially come playoff time when they're really going to need him for <clears throat> for that and for jet sweeps and some of that type of stuff and some of those screen passes that Sky Moore's doing out there in the flat. So, I mean, I think what that offense comes down to is – at times, the deep pass in the past to Tyreek Hill would give them those jolts and get them their confidence back and help them get back in that rhythm at times. And it's not there this year, and they don't have an answer with the wide receiving group that they have right now to get that done. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that. I, I got this feeling today and listening to to Pat talk about – look, he, he took some ownership of the fact that – He took a ton uh, of ownership, man. 
and especially in terms of the MV, the, the throws to MVS, but but also the interception stuff like that. We're used to that, but I don't know why. I just feel like that Mahomes and MVS in the playoffs, given the right circumstances, are going to have one of those Sammy Watkins against the Titans type games where I just feel like one of those type games is coming uh, for those two. I think they're closer than than people think. Um, and, and I think it's coming and I do, I want to say, like, I do think that the one thing that they have found in the last month is Jarek McKinnon. The guy's got eight touchdowns in the last five games. He's the first running back in the Super Bowl era with a touchdown a receiving touchdown in five straight games. I was looking it up. He had eight career receiving touchdowns in his first 98 games. He's got seven in the last five. He's now got more receiving touchdowns. Then he has rushing touchdowns in his career. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think they have found something that, that makes them dangerous there uh, with, with Jarek McKinnon. And so, um, I, you know, I, I think that, I think that it's, it's different, right? But we knew that it was going to be different and we knew it was going to take time for this offense to evolve into what it was going to become. Certainly uh, we knew Kelsey would be part of it. I did not project Jarek McKinnon as the second most productive uh, you know, receiver in terms of touchdowns on the team, but but here we are. Um, and, and I don't think that Pat Mahomes or anybody anybody else in that locker room cares as long as they're finding a way to get in the end zone. Um, and they just as long as the Chiefs have 15, I, I feel like that offense is going to find a way more often than not when they need to find a way. Um, you know, and then the big question, I think, it, you know, revolves around the defense. Like, are they going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback without having to blitz with just the front four? Are they going to be able to create turnovers in critical moments like the Trent McDuffie strip sack near the end of the first half or like the, well, the luxurious need interception was just a terrible throw by Russell Wilson, a terrible or a terrible route by his receiver. One of the two, I, I, I you know, I'm not in the huddle. I don't know what play was called, but um, that was just a, a bad play by the Broncos. But is, are, is the defense going to be able to continue to make plays? And to that end, how encouraged are you with the fact that George Karloftis has five sacks in the last six games. He seems to be starting to figure it out. He talked today about the fact that he's done a lot of tackling drills with Joe Cullen. Cullen's worked with him on a lot of counters, um, you know, and making sure that that if, even if he gets beat the first time that he keeps hustling, because that's how a lot of guys make their money in the NFL is with hustle sacks as much as anything. And it's made a difference. He's he's learned. He's grown. Do you do you feel like that pass rush is coming together or do you just feel like Denver, you know, their offensive line isn't great? And and this is what we've seen all season. If it's a bad offensive line, they do well. If it's a good offensive line, they struggle. I'm going to go with your last statement. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's just the reality of it. Seattle wasn't a good offensive line. Denver's not a good offensive line. So the Chiefs do what they're supposed to do, and they took advantage of it in back-to-back weeks. So I want to, you know, I got to recognize that, that they took advantage of it. They did what they were supposed to. But I'm also not <laughs> going to just ignore what they're facing in the offensive line. I mean, there was, there was times against Denver where the run – teams are going to pull it from that. What they were doing with Latavius Murray to where they put so much eye candy in the background to where there's a jet sweep, there's a motion here, there's a read option, and then here's a dive. And and Colin Saunders didn't even know the dive was running right behind him with the football. 
yeah. a couple of times when they keep when they keep trying to use Colin Saunders as a one tech when he's not. Like that's not his fault. Like Colin's a three a rotational three tech with Chris Jones. Yeah. But they keep trying to put him at the one tech spot, even though their one techs really are Brandon or Brandon Williams and Danny Shelton, and Shelton was still on practice squad because of the act since they've already burned one activation and they don't seem to want to put him on the 53 over Malik Carrion and Joshua Kando, who still seem to find a way to be inactive as they can't uh, routinely contribute on special teams. Yeah. It feels like, I mean, with Kando and with, and with Malik Carrion, it feels like if they were pitchers in major league baseball, they would have come up with a forearm impingement and been moved to the 60 day run, 60 day injured list at some point. You know, I, I mean, can't one of them hurt their knee and go on IR at some point? Like, what are we doing? If you're not going to play them, you're just wasting a roster spot with those guys that it seems like could be used. I don't know on, on something more productive somewhere along the line. Um, well, and the problem you're running into is this late in the year, if you technically wave him and try to put him on practice squad, there's a team out there that's going to poach him and, you know, and put him on their, on their 53. And, and then you've lost that investment of a guy who you weren't making active to begin with. Right. That, that's why they've got to strain their shoulder, putting like packing their suitcase or something, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, the, those two, uh, those two roster spots have always been interesting to me along with uh Jack Cochran at linebacker and, uh, at least he and, plays uh, on special teams and shoots. Well, that's the reason him. why he's on the 50. Right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Kando and, and I mean, Herring played a few games early when Dana was down. And but uh, the, the Joshua Kando has been a wasted spot on the 53 men all year. Um, and, and I just, I, I'm hard pressed to see. I mean, if you put him on the practice squad and he gets poached, like, who cares? You're not playing him anyway. Like, they must really think really think that he's got some potential there that Joe Cullen can unlock and, and next year is going to be his year. Um, okay. I did want to get to one more thing. It looked like Russell Wilson, by the way, was surprised on the, the Broncos last snap. Um, Chris Jones didn't seem to agree, but I, Russell Wilson sure looked like a guy who wasn't expecting the ball to come when it came. And the offensive line looked like uh, the Broncos offensive line looked like it was a beat slow to get off the ball. So I think the center snapped it early, but on that last play, we once again saw Chris Jones finding himself in no man's land because he doesn't want to land on Russell Wilson with his full body weight. He doesn't want to throw him. I mean, he ended up throwing him to the ground pretty aggressively, but twice, you know, he's kind of <clears throat> fiddle farting around with the guy. Doesn't want to like, you know, he's, he's a little bit gun shy, I think from earlier in the season and twice Russell Wilson kind of chucked the ball up in the air once they, you know, they gave him the sack. The other time he got the, uh, I think there's a penalty. I think Bolton ended up picking it, but are you worried? That, I mean, we saw this cost. I mean, you know, Chris Jones did something similar in the Bengals game in the FC championship game last year. Are you worried that this is in his head and it's going to rear its ugly head in the playoffs as well uh, with the inconsistency in calling this, this foul this year? This isn't just a Chris Jones thing for me while I've been so vocal about it on, on Twitter Sunday. For me, I, I'm concerned that a playoff game somewhere is going to be lost because of a roughing the inconsistency calls and roughing the passer. Yeah. Yep. And it's going to go one of two ways. Either the team's going to lose because of the roughing the passer or a franchise quarterback, one of the marquee names, potentially gets hurt because the crew won't blow the whistle once the defensive players got them wrapped up. 
Like I, I'm concerned one of those two things is going to happen. And then that's when all, all heck's going to break loose with the roughing the passer conversation. Cause could you imagine if that happened to either Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, you know, maybe Dak Prescott or one of the other, you know, or, or Jalen Hurts, yeah. you know, one of those guys who gets Kirk Cousins, don't, don't disrespect Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I'm going to pretend you didn't say that sentence. Um, but like if one of those marquee, one of those marquee quarterbacks yeah. got hurt because of something like today, like that's, you know, it, it, it they, they need to, you can't, you can't let a playoff game come down to a moment like that. Like that, that cannot be the case. So like, that's where I'm looking at this from a bigger picture, not just Chris Jones wise, especially when the point of the rule was to prevent quarterback injuries. And now you're getting, I, I, They've got to figure out something. I maybe you know, maybe they should just put flags on the quarterback. And if you pull, you know, the, and the quarterback plays flag football, the rest of them don't because they clearly don't want the they don't want guy, the quarterbacks getting hit, stuff like that. They don't want you get land on. They don't want. Yeah, I mean, look, I get it. Those guys are the face of the franchise, the face of the league. You don't want you know you don't want those guys missing a lot of time, you know. But at some point, look, I mean you've got to give Chris Jones and the rest of those guys some clarity as well. Uh, Cause you're right. I mean, you're going to end up in a situation where guys get bent over pretzeled backwards or, you know, I mean that last throw, I mean, Chris Jones, you know, he would have, that, that would have gotten him some points in Greco Roman wrestling with the, you know, the throw he eventually made because the rest wouldn't just blow the whistle. And he told them that he came up to him after that previous time uh, in the second quarter and was like, Hey guys, like if I've got him like this, you got to call the whistle, or I'm gonna have to Greco throw him, you know, to the ground. And they didn't do it at the end of the game. And you know, Russ is Russ is probably not not loving that fact. And that, and, and I know it goes by crew to crew. So, you know, you're hoping those crews get graded out of being in the playoffs. Um, but you you won't know until the playoffs happen. So we'll. Yeah. We'll see on all that. If Carl, if Carl Shavers can uh, officiate a Super Bowl, then I can only imagine what the grading scale is. Uh, well, hey, the good news is um, special teams only botched two kicks and committed one turnover today. Um, how uh, Kent Swanson, you know, who played at Mid American Nazarene, uh, played football there, had a, had a great picture of on the missed field goal, the one that well, the one that was blocked at the end of the half, about where Townsend put his hand down indicating that's where he was going to put the ball. And then when he actually marked it, it was a good four or five inches the other way and leaning. And that may not seem like a whole lot, but that I, that has a tremendous impact on the kick um, and, and, and what Bucker is seeing and what he's doing. There was another dropped, you know, another dropped hold. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Kadarius Tony one, uh, you know, he's, he, he turned to go the other way and didn't move the ball to the other hand. That one, I think that one's an easy, easy one to fix. And you'd almost rather it happen in a Broncos game like this, as opposed to a playoff game. I think that one's an easy one to learn from the holding issues though, man, like they've been persistent and it's almost like Chuck Knobloch trying to throw the ball the first, I'm not sure they're going to be able to figure it out uh, during, you know, during this season, I, I'm not, I, they might have to just tear it down in the off season. Are you worried that's going to end up costing the chiefs a game? I think every, every chiefs media member and every chiefs fan is concerned that it's going to come down to something like that. 
and here's the problem with that part of it. Um, if it does, if a playoff game does come down to something like that, if you thought Lynn Elliott was bad <laughs> with an entire offseason of, of fans to be upset with that moment and how that happened, like I'm just telling you right now, Dave, Dave Tobe and Tommy Townsend and James Winchester and Bucker, like they're 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 going to hear their names a lot for the wrong the wrong reason in the off season. If that were to be the case, you hope it's not. You hope it doesn't come down to that. But you and I have been in this town long enough. You know how that's going to go if if it ends up being that moment in the playoffs that that cost them a trip to an AFC Championship or a, or a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean. Chiefs fans seem to have a fairly long memory when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, because um, Lynn Elliott's a, a minimum almost 20 years now at this point. There are people. Oh, 30, almost 30. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there are people that are still screaming at their, at their, whatever device they're listening to this on that you should not say that name in this town. Um, but look, I, I, the special teams are a problem. Um, They've been a and, problem all year. And like, the, I, the, the, it's the, not, the, I don't, it's, it's not getting fit. It goes back to the, what the conversation at the beginning. This is who this team is this year. Um, you're just going to have to white knuckle through those moments in the game, I think, and hope that it doesn't cost them. Uh, and the bigger frustration, like I've talked to you about before, is like there are guys on this roster that are dedicated specifically for special teams. Yeah, like they are there to be special teams member. Like that's their that's their primary purpose is to be the special team stars. And to be the guys that make the difference on special teams, and for there to be problems every single week with the special teams, is not a, is beyond annoying at this point. It's it's at a point where you're like that may genuinely cost them a playoff game because they're going to have yeah. three special teams errors, and they can't have any against the Bengals or Bills because the margins are so razor thin because you don't have explosive wide receivers anymore. You don't have a pass rush. You have a rookie secondary that you don't want to be in a ton of man coverage. You have an offensive line that's 50-50 on if they're going to be able to give Mahomes enough time on five to seven dro- five to seven step drops. Oh, hey, and then on top of it, the field goal is 50-50 if you're going to make it or not because the procedure can't seem to be uh, corrected over two whole years. Yeah. So if you can tell, I mean, look, all the sins are going to come back to the Chiefs. If they, you know, if if they catch the Bengals and the Bills on the right day, and they make a handful of those errors, and then there ain't gonna be a lot of Chiefs fans in town that are gonna be able, gonna be forgiving about it. Well, and, and they shouldn't be because at some point, like if you think that Patrick Mahomes can have um, one of the great, truly great NFL careers, put himself in the conversation with Tom Brady, with Joe Montana, with Johnny Unitas, with with those those guys in the pantheon, you know, put himself in contention as a, you know, a Mount Rushmore type player. You can't waste opportunities and you're going to have to steal a couple where you maybe aren't always the best team and you aren't a dominant team, but you find a way to, you know, to, to, you know, get that championship. And this, this team feels like the kind of team that is just finding a way. Um, and so you'd hate for something silly like, uh, you know, like a muffed punts, you know, muff punt or, or a missed extra point or missed, you know, missed field goal to, to be the difference. Um, you know, look, uh, we'll find out, um, you know, Bengals bills. We've, we've been saying it for several weeks now. If you're a chiefs fan, you're rooting for the Bengals here. Um, you know, if they beat the bills, then the chiefs 
can you know, are playing for the number one seed in a bye. Um, if they don't, I mean, the Chiefs still have to play, right? Because the Bills could lose to the Patriots because the Patriots are in a win and to get in scenario. So you still got to go out on Saturday and play the Raiders, right? You can't rest your guys because, you know, the Patriots need to win to get in the playoffs. How do you, you know, what do you think about the way this weekend sets up? I mean, um, I didn't get to watch much of the, of the Raiders game, but you know, it looked like they, they played well, took the 49ers to overtime. Um, you know, Jarrett Stidham and, you know, Devonte Adams seem to have a connection. They're a little bit healthier now with Darren Waller back. Um, are, are you worried about that game? You know, and the fact that now it's on a short week for the chiefs since it got moved to Saturday. Um, well, <clears throat> part of it was luckily the Raiders played, Right after the Chiefs, so they're technically they're going to have less rest than the Chiefs will. A few hours, yeah. Um, and then that game going to overtime for a little bit kind of adds a little bit more to in terms of the wear and tear and kind of fatigue for some of it. Um, I mean, <clears throat> the Chiefs now have Jared on tape. What he right. can and can't do, what he does or doesn't like. So having that on is is key for them being able to try to take away some of the things he wants. Brandon Jacobs ran well against the 49ers. Devontae Adams played out of his mind in that game, and you have Hunter Renfro and and Darren Waller as well, who can potentially <clears throat> be effective depending on how they go about it. I, I don't remember seeing Renfro, David. I remember seeing yeah. Waller and, and Devontae Adams and Jacobs uh, doing a good job um, running running the way he did against that 49ers defense. So, I mean, look, the Chiefs can hang points on the, on the Raiders, and it shouldn't really be a problem. You're just going to have to account for Crosby. Um, it's just a matter of trying to figure out how to make uh, Jared uncomfortable and keep Brandon Jacobs from getting into rhythm. So it'll be interesting if the chiefs do, especially since everything's going to be moved up a day this week in terms of what they would have done preparation wise and how quickly you're going to have to turn. But on the other end, uh, on the other side of it though, um, it now means potentially the chiefs get an extra day of rest. It depends if it's a part of a bye week or if it would be, you know, something, to just because they're going to play the following Saturday or Sunday. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how that shakes out. I do think it helps that you've already had the Jarrett Stidham bounce. Like you talked about. I mean, think about when the Colts moved to Jeff Saturday, uh, you know, moved on from Frank Reich and brought in Jeff Saturday. They came out and they beat the Raiders. They've been terrible ever since, but they came out and they beat the Raiders, the Broncos. I think, you know, moving on from Nathaniel Hackett, you got Jerry Rosberg in there. I think he changed some things up a little bit um, with the way they wanted to run their offense and defense. And it took the chiefs, you know, I mean, it, it was an adjustment, like you said, because you don't have tape on those guys. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't have tendencies on those guys. You know, the 49ers, I think there was a little bit of that with Stidham today. Um, you know, I'm not sure that he's going to go out and throw for 365 and three touchdowns against the chiefs. Um, although, you know, I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy to do it, but, uh, um, I, I, that, that one week bounce that teams usually get from making a big change like that and a big shakeup is probably over. My guess is a lot of, uh, a lot of the Raiders will, uh, or at least some of them will already be looking forward to, um, a postseason and where they're heading, um, come Monday, Monday or Tuesday, uh, as they, you know, get away from, you know, a, you know, a, a a disappointing season for them. Um, you know, so I, look, I think that it'll be interesting to see though. I mean, how do you, 
Bengals bills. Do you have a feel for that one? And, and, you know, I mean, um, obviously I'm assuming that you, you would prefer to see the Bengals take it. So the chiefs get that week. I think it's important for him, but I mean, do you have a good feel for that one at all? Um, first thing I'll say is like, yeah, I think the chiefs need the bye week this, this year more than ever. Yeah. Like I, I, I just, I think the way they wore down last year by not having that bye week, uh, last season, I just, I think it'll take a toll on them this year. And I I think it'll take a lot of wind out of their sail to get to, to be able to have that stamina to get through an AFC championship game and get through the gauntlet of the three games like that with this youthful, uh, amount of players on the roster that haven't experienced this type of run on a regular basis from a postseason perspective. I think that's a big factor into it. So if they can get that by, we can get that rest. I think it enhances their chances of being able to legitimately get to an AFC championship and Super Bowl. in terms of the bills and the Bengals, the bills haven't. So right now the bills don't necessarily have a run game. They're trying, they tried to find it last week at James cook and, and Devin Singletary against the, against the bears. And they had some success. Now, the question is, can they have that same success against the Bengals or the Patriots the following week to try to add that dimension to it? Because right now, it's really more so Josh Allen being able to run the ball in some situations to kind of help move that way if they need to. So what teams are able to do is they're honestly able to just take Stephon Diggs out of a game, try to let Dawson Knox beat him. If Gabriel Davis is accurate and catches his passes and has a solid day, then he has a solid day. Or they try to feed the ball to Isaiah McKenzie if they can and part of the reason they brought Cole Beasley back is because of how inconsistent Isaiah McKenzie's been for him in moments they've needed him to step up. So that's what the Bills are trying to do. And, and then, then and they have they, with Mitch Morris having a sixth concussion, that's a concern there on the interior, and that caused some problems of not being able to have him for a little bit. Um, defensively, not having Von Miller's really changed the Bills' defense, and they they can't they can't sit back in the zones the same way that they did. They have to blitz more now. And then not having Hyde has has hurt some of their some of their coverages. And depending on what happens with Poyer's status, because they really don't he practiced on Saturday, but they're not it isn't definitive he's hundred percent he's gonna play yet. So when they don't have those safeties in Vaughn Miller, they're they're a different defense. They still have Milano, but they just they aren't the same as what they were when they played the Chiefs in week five or six, whatever it is at this point. Um on the Bengal side of the ball. They were they were humming against the Patriots last week, up twenty two to nothing. And then when Leo Collins got his knee bent and got and tore the ACL and the and the other leg, my camera is MCL or PCL, but he tore he tore two of them in there. Not yeah. good. Um, <clears throat> when that happened, the Patriots were able to start getting pressure on Burrow, and they made him throw off his back foot for one of the pick sixes, and they were able to start making him uncomfortable. So the key matchup tomorrow is can the Bills defense make Burrow uncomfortable and force him to make some throws? But I can tell you right now that stadium is going to be crazy for Cincinnati. The atmosphere of that, that's that's going to be a playoff preview for what fans are hoping to see. Like that, that's a playoff game on Monday night. That's that's going to be a massive game. And the thing is, both those teams may play each other in a couple of weeks, depending on if the Bengals come out with a win and if the Chiefs do what they need to do to to capture that one seed. Cause I mean, that's, there's a strong chance the bills and Bengals are playing in the divisional round. If everything works out in that way. Well, the other thing for the Bengals though, is they've still got a shot at the one seed beat the Bengal or beat the bills when week 18. Mm-hmm. And, and if the chiefs lose to the Raiders, all of a sudden, boom, they're the team that gets the buy. They're the team 
um, you know, that, that gets, uh, you know, that, that everybody has to come, you know, through Paycor stadium and play them. Um, so they've got a lot to play for. And I think that, I think they're playing the best football. Uh, at least they were until the Lel Collins injury uh, yeah. in the AFC, um, over the last four or five weeks, you know, um, you know, we'll see, uh, how much of a factor that is, um, against the bills or, or whether they're able to adjust this week in practice, um, you know, and, and come out with the win, but certainly they could do the chiefs a huge favor. Um, you know, and if Joe Burrow's your, your quarterback in fantasy football, then, you know, you, you know, you got lots of reasons to root for him. I'm not, I'm not, engaged he is in, in that mind. one. He is in mind. That's why. Well, that's why I said I'm not engaging in that one because you were going to tell a long-winded fantasy football story. No, I just wanted to point out that he is my quarterback. Um, but I already have 149 points and I'm up by like 92, so I'm in good shape. Um, at this point, it's just rubbing it into my uncle's face. Well, Todd, this uh, feels like my exit at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good call. It is your exit, and uh, uh, happy New Year, Nick Jacobs. Um, um. I, I, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't get to hug you, um, at midnight, but, uh, you know, we'll see each other again soon enough. Yeah, no, I mean, the, you, just so you know, 2023 <laughs> is going to go a lot like, uh, 2022, 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017 have gone. I have, uh, I made a new year's resolution to no hugs. <sighs> All right. Well, most people like, don't even make it through the month of January without breaking the resolution. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that in my heart. You can hold on to it, but you're going to be holding on to it for, for quite a while. And it's not just going to be for the year. Okay. That's okay. I'm still going to keep hope. That That's my, that's my word for 2023 is hope. So you take care kids. <laughs> <laughs>